to another episode of Readology. Thank you so much for joining me today, whether you're joining me on YouTube or you're joining me on Spotify. Um, thank you for coming back for another episode. Today's episode is all about capitalism. So I'm going to be talking about the nine to five um, lies that capitalism tells you and kind of where I'm at in my nine to five journey and sort of navigating my way out of it. So if you resonate with any of this throughout the episode, please give me a like down below. Please recommend this podcast as someone that you think will also resonate with it. But let's go ahead and dive in. As always, I want to start this podcast with a moment of gratitude. So go ahead and take one hand, place it over your heart, place your other hand over your stomach or diaphragm. Take a nice deep inhale and exhale. Just bring yourself to the present moment. Today, I'm really grateful for rest. I haven't had it in a really long time, but I am planning on going to bed early tonight. So I'm really grateful for what's about to be a great night's rest. And I'm also grateful that I was able to get away this past weekend for Memorial Day and just turn off, like not be crazy on social media, not be posting all the time, not be working. I'm really grateful that I had that time. Okay, let's get into it. So the nine to five. I think that this is a really good episode topic because I'm somebody who has been working the nine to five for a very, very long time. Um, I started my corporate journey pretty young, right out of high school. I landed an internship um, at a really notable media company and I worked there for four consecutive summers with a scholarship um, in corporate. And, you know, essentially I was learning the ropes. I was working in multiple media departments and I love the company and I love the people that I worked with, but I feel like I learned pretty early on that I'm just going to adjust my mic really quick. I feel like I learned pretty early on that that was not where I foresaw myself in the long run. I definitely knew that I didn't have the attention span to be sitting at a desk. I just feel like I'm somebody who is too creative and too like vibrant and exuberant and also a little stubborn and just not really detail oriented. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you identify with any of those things, you're not alone. I actually think it's completely normal for people to not be made for a nine to five lifestyle. You should not be beating yourself up if you can't sit at your desk for eight hours a day and be productive. And most employers know anyway that out of an eight hour work day, you're only productive for three hours. So yeah, so let's just start with that. And I think a lie that comes to mind when I think of the nine to five and also kind of why I'm still in the nine to five is this idea of stability that I think really needs to be challenged. And I think it started to be challenged a lot during COVID when you know, people were losing their jobs. People were losing jobs that they thought were very stable. People were taking pay cuts. I know um, at the company that I work for now, their um, retirement um, match was cut off for a little over a year. Um, and those are big things. Those are all things that when you think about it, it's like no matter what job you had during COVID, it's like I just realized that there was no guaranteed job security. And I realized that because I was working as a teacher at the time in Spain. I was doing my program, my teaching program, and in the blink of an eye, it was cut short and it was done. And then, you know, without any notice whatsoever, I had to come home. And luckily, I was paid out through the end of my program. But 
I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea what my next step was going to be. I had been planning to, you know, come home and like get my own apartment and work my nine to five and be in corporate. But there was something about my whole experience, just working in a completely different environment, being with kids all the time, just enjoying a slower paced lifestyle and a lower cost of living that really allowed me to identify what I valued most. And so it was like by the time that I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me, I was already questioning this idea of the quote unquote stable nine to five that I feel like everyone is constantly fed. And I think in contrast a lot to how it is in the United States where we glorify being overworked and underpaid and it's kind of like a competition for who can run themselves into the ground the fastest. I really found it to be like just different in Europe. It was a very like 180 situation where you have ample time for lunch. Everyone just wants to conversate and communicate and get to know each other and just take their time and really like enjoy their food and enjoy their life. And you get off earlier than you do here in the US. And I love that. And I want that. I want that back <laughs> so badly. But yeah, I want to keep exploring other aspects of myself. And I felt like by nature of living in Spain and living on a, in Spain on a very small island, I was able to explore so many aspects of myself, like the fact that I actually love being around children in a learning environment. And it's funny because, you know, during the whole experience of it all, I honestly, you know, people would ask me, do you ever think you'd become a teacher? And I was always so adamantly like, no, 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 I don't want to be a teacher. Um, but I actually am still private tutoring now, like a whole year plus later after that experience. And I look forward to it every single weekend. It's like one of the things that's like the highlight of my day is getting a, being able to sit down with my students and just tutor them and like learn something new with them and like have those conversations. Um, so it's, you know, it's made me realize that I am somebody who never wants to stop learning and I never want to stop being creative. And when you're in the nine to five, it's sort of like you do what you're asked to do and you do it as efficiently and quickly as possible. And you're just a literal machine for eight hours a day. You're not supposed to have any other needs other than your hour for lunch where you go eat. And that's kind of it. And it's sort of like, you know, I feel really lucky to have entered the real work world post COVID because most people's jobs are remote. And I know some people don't really like that. But now having worked multiple remote jobs, I can honestly say that I enjoy a greater life balance now than I would have working in an office because I've also done that before. But the one thing I really do miss is the socialization. But this is something that I talk to people a lot about. It's like people talk about how they work for like eight plus hours a day, but their company will do really nice things for them, like have happy hours or like a company that I worked at in the past used to cater, used to cater bagels every Friday, like gourmet bagels from like the best bagel place in town. And, you know, they'll do like company parties and things like that. And honestly, now that I am, you know, continuing to grow and develop myself within the corporate world, I feel like it's kind of a hoax. It's kind of a hoax for our time and attention. It's like, if if corporations know that we are only productive for three hours out of every day, 
then it stands to reason that we are just another part of the capitalist system that just wants to keep us too busy to really like have our head on straight, to really be like thinking straight so that we can start a business, so that we can learn more about ourselves, so that we're not chronically stressed and sick and feeling like we need healthcare from a job that we hate. I'm getting impassioned here, but, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of my two cents about that. Um, so yeah, food for thought on that one. But I wanted to talk about how the book that I've been reading as this podcast is Readology um, has helped me a lot on this journey. And again, this week, we're talking about The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, as it is a 16 week program, I believe. Um, but I've really been taking my time with it. I think I spend like two, sometimes three weeks on one week or one chapter of the book. Um, so I really am taking my time, but I'm learning so, so much. And it really has been throughout this process of just rediscovering my inner child and like thinking about all the things that I do in my free time or would want to do in my free time that I either do and have to force myself to do with like the last bits of my daily energy or the things that I just like want think about doing like I would love to write a book or I would love to make music or I would love to draw whatever whatever it is but it's really made me realize how much fulfillment and how much presence and mindfulness I get from those activities and that's something that I really miss about my life I really miss being present in my life and not using social media as an escape from a reality that I've created for myself and don't know how to uncreate for myself quite yet, if that makes sense. Um, and it is a little scary, but it's the more that I think about this concept of everything in our lives are designed to get our attention because our attention is the most powerful thing about us. And once our attention has been won over by commercials and Instagram ads and social media, we are literally walking zombies that are putting all of our manifestation power into a capitalist system. But we all have the power. We all have the ability to draw our attention back, to call our power back to ourselves and think, what do I want? What do I want to consciously create in my life? So that's something that I've been trying to be a lot better at. But the social media addiction is real. It is real, real, real. And as much as I want to say that I'm mindful of it, I am mindful of it, but I continue to indulge. So that's honestly how deep it goes. But The Artist Way has helped me a lot with that. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to be sharing some ways that you can tap into your inner artist so that you can create more mindfulness in your life and sort of just give yourself something to look forward to that's not being on social media. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Going on that topic and kind of like trailing off with that, I also wanted to talk about how reconnecting with your inner child really helps open you up to what naturally calls to you. And it's kind of interesting. I feel like right now as a society, we are obsessed with this idea of purpose. We're obsessed with finding our purpose and finding fulfillment. And the way that it's kind of explained to us or the way that we see celebrities in their purpose is like... All of a sudden, they just woke up one day at like four years old and they were like, I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be a musician. And the reality is like, we have no idea what their backstory is. We have no idea what their origin story even really looks like because it's like, you know, 
for them what might be perceived one way of like, one day I just knew. But it's like, also, what about all those days where you didn't know? What about all those days where you were dazed and confused and searching for your purpose so hard and like crying on the floor because you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life, but you knew that you just wanted to be different? Like, what about all those days? I feel like not enough people talk about that part of the journey that is like the hardest. And that's where I'm at right now. I don't know about anybody else, but that's where I'm at right now. That's how I feel on a daily basis. But what I have realized a lot is that through tapping into my own creativity, I'm learning so much about myself that I feel I feel like I knew about myself and then I like forgot. It's kind of like when you have a, a best, best friend in the whole wide world and you slowly like lose touch with them. And like sometimes you have friends that you do that with because it's just time to like move on from them. But sometimes you have friends that you do that with because they move away or whatever but you have nothing but fond memories of them. And you're like, wow, that person was so awesome. I would love to reconnect with them. I feel like that's me for myself. Like, I feel like I think of who I was as a child and I miss that. Like, I miss myself. And I also feel like I was closer to my, I guess, purpose, you could say, as a child. And then time and expectations and capitalism And just this like rat race machine that we're just kind of thrown into with the guise of like, this is what's stable. This is what's good. This is what everybody else does. I feel like I've been in the hamster wheel for so long, just like moving further and further away from who that person was. Um, But this book has really helped me make my way back. And as I find things that light me up again, as I find things that draw me to presence, and as I'm sitting on social media and I'm like, I could be playing my ukulele right now. That's the one thing that I know that no matter how I'm feeling will make me feel good. Let me just do it. That's a really powerful thing. And if you don't have that one thing in your life, I encourage you to find it because those are the things, those are the breadcrumbs that by following them are going to lead you to your purpose. And a quick word on purpose, it doesn't even have to be one purpose. I think we all become obsessed with this idea that we have one purpose and one mission. And that idea creates so much so much indecision for people that I think it scares us from even just like sitting in stillness to, to take any steps. We just kind of sit there paralyzed in fear like, what if I choose wrong? Like, I kind of like this one thing, but like, do I like it enough for it to be my purpose? Like, I'm under the impression that my purpose will just smack me in the face and I will absolutely know what my purpose is. And maybe for some people it's like that, but I can already tell you that at 24, almost 25 years of age, that is not, maybe it will be how my purpose is, but I will always look back on what has been the last year and a half, almost two years for me. I will always remember these moments of confusion and just like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? those will always be like the origins of how I found my purpose. So once again, as this is a reading podcast, I wanted to read in some more helpful and enlightening excerpts from 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think. I'm about halfway through this book now and it's still changing my life and I've been really trying to read before bed. It's kind of hard to do it. So again, this is why I made the podcast so that I can read and you guys can listen. (laughs) Okay, so... Um, today we're on chapter 39 and I wanted to read some parts of the chapter called 12 signs. The only problem with your life is that you think about it more than you live it. 
So the first one that I picked for you guys says, your goals are perfect outcomes, not perfect actions. You're more in love with ideas than you are with work and processes required to make them reality. When you dream up your perfect life, you think about how you're seen rather than what your daily tasks include. Quick word on that. If you think about how visualization is so sensationalized right now, especially in this manifestation movement, I feel like everyone is riding, which I think is amazing, by the way. But it's also not just visualizing what you want your life to look like. It's also how you want it to feel. And a large part of what I am realizing about how deeply embedded into capitalism I am is that it's not, I don't, I don't care a lot about material things. I've always been somebody who is more experiential and really values like the connections I make with people and the way that I feel on a day-to-day basis. But when you see this idea of success being like, you have the nice cars and you have the expensive clothes and you can take fancy vacations. All of those are really nice things, but it's like, do you even want a Mercedes Benz? Do you even want a Tesla? Like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't. So I guess if you do, that's great, more power to you. But if you don't, or if you're not sure really what you want, just reevaluate your idea of success and reevaluate the tiny steps that you're taking to get to your version of success. Like don't let everybody else's version of success and financial freedom be what yours means to you. Like honestly, for me, financial freedom literally just means I have my student loans paid off and I can live anywhere in the world that I want without scraping my pennies together. (sighs) Okay, the next one. You're a maladaptive daydreamer. Maladaptive daydreaming is when you imagine extensive fantasies to replace human interaction or general function. Many people experience it while listening to music or doing some kind of rocking motion, either walking, pacing, swinging, etc. Rather than cope with issues in life, you just daydream about grandiose alternatives that give you a high to eliminate the uncomfortable feeling. I won't say much about that, but I feel like a lot of people know what that feels like. Another one says, you tend to resist what you want the most. Rather than putting forth genuine effort, opening up to it bit by bit, you've convinced yourself that you're not worth it or that it's impossible or that you have what you want or that to have what you want means you could also lose what you want. So better not to have it ever than have it for a little bit. Okay, that was weird interestingly. But this kind of goes back to the idea of like self-sabotaging. Um, and I definitely want to make a whole other episode about imposter syndrome and self-sabotaging because this kind of is a separate topic. Um, but just be mindful of the things that you don't allow yourself to dream about because they're like too, they're so exciting that they're almost scary. It's like, oh my God, if I had this thing that I wanted, what if I lost it all tomorrow? And then you'd be, you tell yourself you'd be even more devastated. But what if you didn't lose it? What if it was yours to have? Like, what if it was actually the life that you were supposed to not only get, but keep? And then the last one that I wanted to share says, if you stopped and thought about it, you could come up with 10 things you're grateful for. Your problems aren't so much not having as they are not recognizing what you do have. Gratitude incites more doing, more reciprocation. Positive feelings never leave you stagnating and overthinking them. That is so true and something that I really want to be better at, which is why we always do our gratitude at the beginning of this episode. 
because it gets so easy for me to just get down on myself in my day and be thinking about all the things that are going wrong. Okay, those are our excerpts from 21 or 101 essays that will change the way you think. And before you, we go, I wanted to end this episode by talking about some things that you can do on a day-to-day or weekly basis that are going to help you start building yourself or building your way out of the 9-to-5. If you even want to get out of the 9-to-5. Um, maybe some people want to be there. I just know I'm somebody who I am establishing that I do not want to work the way that I've been working. It's not working for me anymore. So if you feel that way, um, listen up. I'm going to share some things. The first one is journaling. I've definitely talked about this in the past, but I'm going to just say it again. It's so important to ask yourself questions about yourself. I think there's no greater power in this lifetime that you wield than to know yourself and to know yourself well. So always be asking yourself questions and journaling reveals so many parts of your subconscious, like behaviors and thought patterns that you don't even know that you hold on to until you can literally see it out on a page. So most specifically, um, I'm going to give you some questions that you can journal about. If you never journaled before, you don't really know where to start with like specifically trying to get to know yourself. looking at this fuzz in my hair and trying to get to know yourself here's some questions that you can ask so when you when did you give up on your real dream that would be number one if you have in fact given up on it I just want you to ask yourself when did you give up on your real dream what is your real dream that's something to also journal about what's making you feel happy right now what's making you feel stuck right now Why are you slash or can't you allow yourself happiness in the small moments of your life? And that's one that I'm definitely going to reflect on later today. Okay, so the next one, I did touch on this, finding a creative activity, find a creative outlet. And I feel like a lot of people may think that being creative involves like painting or drawing or writing or doing things like that. But sometimes being creative can just be finding a quiet spot outside and allowing yourself to daydream. It can literally be talking to yourself and telling yourself a story. Like for me, in the artist way, we're supposed to take ourselves on artist dates. And sometimes my artist date or like my time alone with myself where I'm just supposed to be creative and like solitary is just me outside talking to the trees. And I feel a little crazy, but I go out there and I do it and I sit in silence and I meditate a little bit and that's my artist date. So if you wanna find a creative activity, if there's nothing that really speaks to you that you can currently pinpoint, just try sitting in nature and try talking to yourself whenever the, the mood strikes you. And then the last one is create more than you consume. And I can't harp on this enough. I said this before and I'll say it again, we are always consuming content from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. And unless you're actively creating something, most likely you're consuming something. And even for me, as I'm reading these self-help books and kind of transmuting them for other people's listening and understanding, I'm still consuming. And sometimes I have to challenge myself to really sit and be like, well, what do I think? Like, what do I think about life? What do I think are life lessons that people need to know? And sometimes I do share them with, you know, with you guys. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, let me read out of this book because thinking for myself feels too hard. 
but I challenge you to think for yourself for an hour every day. If you can take an hour off of social media a day to just consciously do something creative where you're putting something out into the world or sharing something with somebody, please do it and at least at least try. So, okay, that is the episode for today. Please stick around for the affirmations. Um, today's affirmations are going to be all about channeling your creativity and trusting your inner creativity. So let's go ahead and find another moment of stillness here together. And I want you to repeat the first affirmation, which is my creativity is channeled through me effortlessly. Let's repeat. My creativity is channeled through me effortlessly. The next one is very simple. It's I am healing. Let me repeat. I am healing. And then the last one. I allow myself to unbecome that which is not really me. I allow myself to unbecome that which is not really me. Take a moment to affirm in your heart or out loud, wherever you are. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Readology. If you're on YouTube, please leave me a comment down below. Um, if you're on Spotify listening to me, again, please share with a friend or family member if this resonated with you. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.